This is the Poetry Magazine podcast. I'm Don Chair, editor of Poetry Magazine. I'm Christina Pugh, consulting editor. And I'm Lindsay Garbett, managing editor. This week we spoke with Duji Tahat about his poem, Salat to be read from right to left. Tahat says that while he writes in English, he has multiple lost languages, and those were the languages he learned first. Losing languages is a funny thing. They are never truly lost on a couple levels. One, just simply being, I know certain words. I call my children beloved in both Tagalog and Arabic. You know, I call them Habibdi, I call them Anak, because that's what I was called. Tahat says he contends with English as both a language to master, which he has, and as one of the dominant tools of the colonial Western world. How is it ultimately that we, as poets, can break the language or break the type of communication in a way that is useful and that doesn't reproduce some of the violences that we have inherited? And that inheritance is particularly troubled and poignant in my case, given, and I think for many poets' cases, uh, who have sort of lost previous languages, which is another sort of enactment of the way that English is dominant and maybe violent, too. Here's the poem. It's a lot to be read from right to left. After Marwa Halal. Adhan. My uncle sends me Facebook messages I barely understand. Facebook translator does not apply to images. One starts with ha. He writes, I love you, Ammu. Standing. In my Friday clothes, the homie sees me as he skips school. The mosque is just a house round the corner from second period algebra. Bowing. Hovering over my phone, I'm searching why Habibi and not Habibi, as if Pop's name weren't on the line. Prostration. In this wooden house of God, it's Dujana Arayan. Duji at the gate, sometimes even on the way. Here, my father is different, or the same. Of course, it's all prayer. This wild jockeying to the corner, pushing up, not out, then back down another. Prostration again. How to say this? Sitting. Confounded by God. Salam alaikum. I note these days which direction the last drops of ablution drip. What foot goes first when putting back on my shoes? How the gate slams shut. When you encounter this poem on the page, it looks very different from what we just heard because, as the title tells us, it is a salat to be read from right to left, and that's the way the poem appears on the page. And so if you go into it expecting a left-to-right line the way um, English is usually read, you will need to correct yourself and reread, starting with the right-hand margin. And the right-hand margin does indicate where to start As an English reader, it was interesting to me to put the lines together because poetry is a slow way of reading anyway. It's a way of really taking note of how the lines unfold. And this really requires you, if you're not accustomed to reading from right to left in English, which probably a lot of us aren't, really requires you to go word by word by word to put the syntax of the lines together, which, you know, works very beautifully. To me, that was an interesting 
challenge that made me think about the slowness we often have in reading poetry and how this really magnifies that, in addition to, of course, you know, making us think about how reading from left to right isn't the only way to read. There are other languages that unfold themselves very differently. I'm quite interested in this poem and kind of poems that are doing this more and more that indicate just in terms of form, moving from being marginalized to taking possession of the margins in a vivid and also meaningful way. I think many of us, if not most of us, have lost languages. I'm the first person in my family who doesn't fluently speak the language of my own ancestors. And I never myself have found a way to kind of work back towards that and make it something that is a counterpoint to English or counterbalances it or even, you know, allows me to feel that I'm in possession of something. So I admire this a lot because, as you've pointed out, Christina, it it slows you down. So you have to figure out if you are an, sort of a native reader and speaker of English, you you have to do a little work to let this voice come in. It's a natural voice in a, another culture than the mainstream U.S. culture is something that the poetry is exploring and it, and it embodies that exploration. But I think it works too because it sort of makes your eyes work differently mm. and it makes your mind articulate things differently following the lead of the poem. And that's what they would call, that's what we would call an experience of the other. I think it's kind of a magnificent and powerful impulse. Yeah, I like too that this poem starts out with the question of translation too, about how Facebook, you know, can't translate the images in his uncle's post that he sends him. You know, there's this question of in society today where all these multinational corporations are trying to claim that we're all one globalized society and that we can all speak to each other and that we're all instantly communicable, there are actually still so many things that aren't communicable, no matter how hard technology tries to make it so. And so the idea that how do you translate an image, how do you translate these sort of like text phrases like Habibi built with a seven instead of an H, you know, what do these things mean? in our current society, but also how are they related to these long histories of how English has come to dominate both through colonization, but also through a sort of technocratic colonization today. And I think, you know, it's also a question that poems are constantly asking, how do we translate our experience into something onto the page? And so this poem does that with the form, as we've been talking about, but it also does that with these sort of experiences that the poet is trying to tie together into you know, Facebook communication, but also school and the mosque and how all these different experiences, how do they all relate to each other and and how can you communicate that to somebody else? Yeah, it seems to me there's a kind of coexistence of tradition in terms of the gestures and stances, the format and the form of how the Salat takes place as we have in bracketed here, almost stage direction, standing, bowing, prostration, prostration again. This idea of there's a a muscle memory in the body of how to do this that's very ancient. And at the same time, there is that, as you're describing, Lindsay, that technological, technocratic interference, distraction, but in a way that becomes part of the prayer as well. 
a little bit later down in the poem, it's all prayer. The poet says this wild jockeying to the corner. corner. Pushing up, not out, then back down another. In a way, the jockeying with the phone (laughs) that's happening while the bracketed stances, movements of the body are, are being articulated really becomes part of the prayer in an interesting way. So there's this coexistence, this kind of, in a way, peacemaking between the ancient gestural prayer form and the super contemporary Facebook situation that's going on in the hand. So I found that to be interesting as well. It's extremely, extremely up to the moment, and yet at the same time, it's participating in an extremely long historical religious tradition that, as you're saying, is not mainstream in the United States, but has been marginalized. Well, and it's it's changing English. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> you know, it is. It's like mm-hmm. changing the form of poems. It's changing the, you know, the way you read it and all that. I really like that. It's like a, you know, it finds a very forceful, muscular way to sort of do something to English for a change. Duji Tahat is the author of Here I Am, Oh My God, recipient of a Poetry Society of America Chapbook Fellowship. You can read Salat to be read from right to left in the February 2020 issue of Poetry Magazine or online at poetrymagazine.org. If you're not yet a subscriber to the magazine, and you really should be one, for a limited time, we're offering podcast listeners a special rate of $20. That's $20 for a full year of the freshest voices in contemporary poetry, featured in 11 book-length issues, as well as free digital access on our mobile app. Visit poetrymagazine.org slash podcastoffer to subscribe. That's poetrymagazine.org slash podcastoffer. We'll have another episode for you next week, where you can get all February episodes all at once in the full-length podcast on SoundCloud. Let us know what you thought of this program. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or if you listen another way, email us at podcast at poetryfoundation.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts. The Poetry Magazine podcast is recorded by Ed Herman and produced by Rachel James. The theme music comes from the Claudia Quintet. I'm Lindsay Garbett. I'm Christina Pugh. And I'm Don Chair. Thanks for listening.